Well, we're looking uh, at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, written by Paul. And, you know, over the past couple of weeks, as I've been saying, uh, we've been looking at the body of Christ. And uh, one, one body for one mission, united together with Christ as our head. With Jesus as our head, we are the hands and feet of God that go out. And this week we're going to continue on that theme as we begin a new series diving into 1 Corinthians. By the way, Junior Church, you're dismissed if you'd like to go. And this is a, called a church too big to fail. Too big to fail. Too important to fail. The Corinthian church, Paul's mission is to make sure this church doesn't crumble. And Paul starts in a, a good managerial technique, if you've ever heard, a, you have to pat them high before you pat them low. Have anybody ever heard that before? you got to pat them on the back, tell them all the things they're doing good, and then you get to kind of the reason you're really having that meeting is you need to correct some things. Well, Paul wants to make sure that, that this church knows he's proud of them for the work that they've been doing, but he also says, I need to make sure that you understand some things are too important to ignore. And unless we deal with these problems, this fellowship here in Corinth, in Corinth is going to fall. And this is a church that's too important to fall. A church whose mission is to preach the gospel that was so perfectly situated in a city that needed them so desperately. Paul cared enough about the church to speak the truth and to speak the truth in love. Even when it could offend them, even when for sure it did offend them, Paul cared enough to say what was the right thing to say. For the glory of Christ, not for the glory of Paul, you'll see that very, very clearly, not for Paul's glory, not Paul saying, hey, that's my church, I founded that church, you better not let it fail, or else it'll look bad on me. No, he says, for the glory of Christ, I need this church to succeed. For the glory of Christ, I need this body of Christ, this fellowship in Corinth to succeed. And so we're going to deal with the issues. Doing it in love and for the glory of Christ. For the love of the body of Christ. Paul, you can see in these words, genuinely cares. Genuinely loves. You know, when your body is in pain, who do you call? You call the doctor, of course. <laughs> Whether he can do anything about it, you still call the doctor. When your teeth are aching, when you have a toothache, when your mouth's swollen, where do you go? You, you make a dentist appointment. When you notice that your shoes are starting to wear out and they're not comfortable anymore and you might have holes in the toes, you go to the shoe store. When you need a shower, you go to the bathroom and you clean up. Every place has a function. And when we have spiritual problems, when we have things happening 
in our soul. Where do we come? We come to God, and we come to His local expression, the body of Christ. We can support and encourage each other in the pursuit of God. But what happens if the shoe store runs out of shoes? Or if the doctor's not taking any new appointments? Or if the dentist is not ready to see you? Or what happens if the water gets shut off? Friends, what happens if the body of Christ ceases to, keep, ceases to be the body of Christ? It ceases to function as the arms and feet of Jesus Christ. What happens when this stops working? Meet Paul, the fixer. Meet Paul, the founder of the church in Corinth. The principal city. This is the New York City of Corinth, of, of Greece. This is the New York City. Corinth is the city that must uh, be reached for the gospel. The city where Greek values and Greek culture flowed thick and permeated the streets. A perfect place in God's plan to set up shop for the church of God in Corinth. The place where the truth and the knowledge that Greeks so desired could only be found in God's plan in Jesus, Jesus Christ. A place where the gospel united everyone, regardless of their background and how they got there. When they were there, they were united under one banner, Jesus Christ for the rest of the world. Jesus Christ for us and Jesus to every man, woman, and child. And it's an important expression of the body of Christ. So Paul needed to write to fix their problems. Well, at least that was the founding idea. The church, while it's God expression, God's expression here on earth, is made up of you and me. And I don't know about you, but I'm imperfect. I'm not perfect. Write that down. <laughs> you probably don't have to write that down. You probably may have already suspected that. I'm not, not perfect. The problem is that when God chooses to use people, He chooses people like me and you, imperfect people. And when that happens, stuff happens. So Paul doesn't give up on them. Paul understands this very clearly. And he gives them a pep talk. Paul loves these people. These are his brothers and sisters in Christ. And he loves them. And he cares about their mission. So he give them, gives them some pep talks. And he shares his wisdom. And so let's look at some of the issues that Paul's dealing with here in the first chapter. The first issue that we see after Paul tells them how proud he is that they are trying really hard, that they understand who Jesus is and that God uh, is making a difference in their lives. But he said one of the problems that we have here is that the church in Corinth needed to set aside their differences and they needed to restore unity. There were factions being developed. A house divided. We all know what happens when houses are divided. 
But Paul reminds them very, very clearly to be perfectly united in mind and thought. One body, one mission, one purpose. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said that the answer to unity with all these different problems and all these different factions, one saying they belong to this, one saying they belong to that, one saying they'd prefer this leader, one saying they'd prefer that leader. Paul said the answer to that is don't look at the leaders. Look to Jesus Christ. The answer to unity is focusing on Christ. Christ is not divided, Paul said. There's no division in Christ. Christ, not anyone else, was crucified for you, Paul says. Instead, Christ called us, instead of being worried about what leader we follow, what party we're a part of, Christ called us to preach the gospel. Christ has given us our mission. So the power of the cross of Christ can give power to the rest of the world. Church, we have to work. Unity has to be here in the family of God. Think about a football team where every football player does their own play. They're not going to move the ball very far. Think about a family where every family member as they're sitting at the dinner table, instead of being united about the good of the family, decides to do their own thing pretty soon. You're never going to see your family members. And what really makes a family? Going the same way. So the Corinthian church, with all their divisions and all their factions and all their uh, uh, rumbling and, and, and rustling and wrestling, man, that sounds like a kind of a messed up place. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that Omaha Citadel is not like that place, right? It's a good thing that we're, we're not like the Corinthian church, right? Or maybe, just maybe, we can take an honest look at ourselves and maybe put ourselves in their shoes and think about a warning that Paul's given. You know, we may not agree with everything here at the church. We may sing, say things like this. Well, my favorite officers, we've had this done before. They've, they, my favorite officers have been so-and-so. Or my favorite leaders are so-and-so. Or I liked it better when we used to do this. Or I prefer that. Or even, well, this is my church. No. No. No, 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 no. It's never about the leader. It's never about our possession. The church is God's. The church is God's. Every leader, every imperfect leader, should point us to God. We don't own the church. I have some keys that will let me in the door, but this place is not mine. 
you may have some keys to this place, but that's not, this is not yours. This is God's. This is God's place. Christ owns it. Christ must be the center of our fellowship, the center of the body of Christ here, or we will be divided, or we will fall into those factions. Christ and Christ alone. Serving under one God, Christ, for one mission, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to preach the saving power of Jesus Christ. Your job and mine, united. We got the same job. We got the same job description. To preach Jesus Christ. We have the same job description. To live out Jesus' change change in your life. To live it out before your neighbors, before your family, before those you work with. Your job and mine, to unite together to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. That the cross of Christ has power, and the cross of Christ has never lost any power. Every program, every program, every meeting, every dollar that we spend should be united for one purpose, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. To hold each other accountable to that mission. Every program, every dollar, every worship service, every effort must point people closer to Christ or we are in danger of being divided. The gospel. We know what the word gospel means, don't we? It means good news. It means good news. The good news of Christ Jesus. To us who know I hope you know the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he can come into your life and change and make your life brand new. I hope you know the gospel of Jesus Christ. To those of us that know it is the wisdom and power of God, as Paul said. When Christ comes into your heart and makes a difference in your life, you, complete, uh, you have a complete paradigm shift. Your lens completely changes. You're seeing the world in a different way. Jesus, when he makes himself known to us, totally changes our lens. I once was blind, but now I see. Does that sound familiar? I once was lost, but now I'm found. Can you relate to that? We're familiar with that language and that experience. If, if Jesus is has been in our life and makes a difference. We know what what home means. We know what it means to feel uh, safe in the arms of God. If we haven't, like Paul reminds the church of Corinth, Corinth, this might not make any sense to any of you. He said to the Jews, they're, they're looking for signs, they're looking for miracles to prove once and for all that Jesus is the Son of God. Our Sunday school lesson this morning, uh, students that are here, we looked at John, the ninth chapter, and the Pharisees there. After Jesus heals a blind man by spitting in the ground, making mud, putting it on his eyes, and telling the man to go and wash, and 
he does, and suddenly he can see. The Jews are not satisfied with that miracle. No. Jews aren't satisfied with that. But Jesus instead says, you're going to get one sign. One sign for the entire world. And that's the sign of Jonah. And we know Jonah. If you don't, look in your Old Testament. Read those, uh, those few chapters that are there in the book of Jonah. You'll see his story. A prophet called by God to go. And on the way, he, he rebelled and he turned. He was thrown overboard, swallowed by a great fish, a whale. Spent three days in the belly of a whale before being spit out. Jesus said, you're going to get the sign of Jonah. That Jesus was crucified on the cross. That he lay dead in the tomb for three days. And on the third day, was resurrected. Jesus would be killed, buried, but three days later, resurrected. The power of God. The sign. Once and for all. For the entire world. And is alive today. He is the living God. And as far as wisdom goes, Paul reminds us that the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is wisdom. You know, we might boast that well, uh, it, it's something that I did to be saved. No, it's nothing you did. It's nothing you learned. It's instead a gift of God that you have your salvation. It's not some superior wisdom we have that saves us. No, it's Christ and Christ alone who saves us. Christ has made us righteous. Christ has made us holy. Christ has given us redemption. Jesus, no more and no less. That's it. Boast in nothing, Paul says, nothing but the gospel. We sang that song, uh, 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 How Great Is Our God. Sing with me, How Great Is Our God. And all the world will see how great is our God. Well, Paul's saying right here that that some are still going to have stumbling blocks. Some are still looking for signs, even though they're not, they're not going to be any more signs. They're looking for some, some, some wisdom that's even greater than that. There is no greater wisdom. You come to Jesus Christ, and that's it. Come to Jesus Christ. He's a stumbling block for those that don't, don't know. It's only about kneeling your knee. It's only about yielding your life. It's only about giving Jesus Christ the reins to your life. And He sets you free. So fellow soldiers, fellow members of the body, fellow uh, uh, members of this fellowship, be about one mission. One mission. Don't get distracted by any glory. Don't be distracted by any factions. Don't be distracted by anything. But keep Christ the center of our lives. Help this fellowship to keep Christ at the center of every single thing. Keep to one mission. Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
with your words and with your actions. Friends, uh, Matt's going to come and lead us in this final song. But if any are lost, if any are blind, if any need that power of the cross of Jesus Christ in your life that can break chains, that can restore your relationship with the Maker, that can give hope to the hopeless, wisdom to those that are looking for it, come and receive Jesus Christ. Paul said to resolve your differences and restore unity to this fellowship. Christ is the center, and that in Him, in Christ, we are one. And that God's wisdom shown through Christ is really at odds with the wisdom of this age. The fact is that it is Christ and not some superior wisdom, not something else that has brought you your righteousness, your holiness, and your redemption. It's only found in Christ. Thank God. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the power of the gospel that sets us free. Father, I thank you for the gospel that unites us. Father, I thank you for the gospel that, for, that forgives our sins. Lord, for the, for the mercy and grace that you give your imperfect people. That when we get off track, Lord, you are there to correct us. That you are there to give us discipline. To be united for one mission. That the entire world would know. The entire world would know that you are the Savior of the world. Father, help us to be mercy. Help us to be grace. Help us to, to be ambassadors of the cross of Jesus Christ to this world. Father, help us in, in all of our planning, in all of our programming, in all of our financial spending, in everything that we do to be focused solely on preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, unite us, unite us, unite us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.